On today's Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, the Cubs seem to be moving on from outfielder Kyle Schwarber, and the Bears still suck, like a lot. Cubs and Bears talk what can go wrong. We'll find out on episode 25 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports podcast, your home for the best sports talk in Chicago. I'm Joey Gelman, and I'm on Twitter at Joey Gelman. He's Dan Collins. You can follow him on Twitter at Tweet Dan Collins. The show Believe in Chicago Sports is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago, part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. As Dan mentioned, we're doing a little Cubs talk, a little Bears talk as we head into the uh, latter half of this week. And we're starting out with the Cubs news of the week, where the non-tender deadline came and went, and the Cubs opted to hold on to Chris Bryant for this year and say goodbye, at least for now, to World Series heroes Kyle Schwarber and Albert Almora. And... We knew there were some changes coming, obviously with the Epstein leaving and, and, and the environment economically for this team begs a lot of questions as well of what they're going to do moving forward. But, you know, you're starting to see some big questions asked here with a lot of the big names coming up in conversation for contracts, whether it was Schwarber this time, it'll be Baez next time, it could be Rizzo the following. KB, of course, if they don't re-sign him uh, after That's this year. That's not a scary thought at all. Right. And, and 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 so you have a lot of questions, you know, moving forward with with this team. Dan, I'll throw it to you first on your reaction to to the this news. But I think it's a it's a worthy conversation to have because it 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 you know you can have fun and play nostalgia and go down memory lane. But it also has some interesting questionable questions, at least in my opinion, on what their plan is moving forward on a team that's you know not dead like they're not they're not oh my god we got to rebuild this but they're clearly not a world series favorite anymore like they were in 2016 or were supposed to be for the past few years it's interesting i mean there's so many different ways to look at this when the news first came out yesterday which states the show but we're ready uh the first well this is technically the first official official day into this right where the cubs uh completely making it official but anyways i mean the more I think about it, the more interesting it gets. My initial gut reaction, and of course I'm the Sox fan on the show, but you know, still react to Cubs news in, in a different way. It's it was weird at first. I thought, okay, you know, moving on from Schwarber and Elmora, not necessarily a shocker, but it is interesting. But when you look at everything into play with it, like you said, you could go down memory lane of 2016, or you could decide to just look past that, which it seems like this front office is willing to start to do now is get more past those golden and fond memories and now move forward if they deem it's the right move to do so. Now that gets into the other talking point of, is this the right move for the Cubs to let Schwarber walk, to let Almora Jr. walk? And like they said, potentially, you know, could bring him back on a lesser deal. I think that was more or less the Cubs front office and Jed Hoyer being polite and saying that they're not going to bring Schwarber back, tender that, was it, $8 to $9 million deal or whatever it is. Not a whole lot of money if you're the Chicago Cubs. And if you want to be the Yankees of the NL, you probably shouldn't worry too much about splashing the cash. I do know it's a little bit of a different time now, and finances are a little different and not as normal uh, of an, as an offseason when you're looking into the economics of things as you would be in other years. But what's what's the big picture focus here? 
And it also makes you think now, I mean, this is this is Hoyer's first big move, right? You know, since since the since Theo Epstein decided to step away. Is this one of the reasons he decided to step away? Because he knew the Cubs were going to go down this type of track. Probably added to it. I mean, I'm sure it did, right? I mean, it just seems weird to me that you don't being Schwarber back. Almora Jr. makes a little more sense just because of his role was just decreasing, you know, on, on a day-by-day basis, it seemed like. And he was becoming more of a specialist more than anything, even though a lot of Cub fans were maddened by that even. They thought he should have gotten more playing time than just becoming the specialist off the bench, right-handed bat, that is, and great defensive player out there in the outfield. But eight to nine million dollars, not a whole lot of money for for Kyle Schwarber just to for have him stick around and who knows? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, especially with how Schwarber can heat up. It would have been decent trade bait too, right? I mean, that that's a trading chip you have. Like, it's not worth eight or nine million dollars just even for a potential trading chip at the table for you. I don't know. It just doesn't make too much sense to me. It's it really begs the question of what is the focus now? Is the focus now to 100%, no matter what, at any cost, get better, or is it mm, we do want to get better and we do want to get and we do want to compete, but on a certain budget? And I don't think you can necessarily determine one or the other just with this move. But as more moves start coming in and more decisions start being made, then it'll be a lot easier to connect the dots and put the puzzle together. Where you sit today, if if you're a Cubs fan or if you're just looking at it with some type of a critical lens. You hope, and you're probably a little worried, that it's more on the side of budgeting, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? Because, like I said, what you want to do as a top dog, right, which the Cubs should want to be in the National League, they should want to be the New York Yankees of the National League, shouldn't be cheap. And I'm not saying it was a cheap move, and they're being cheap for not bringing them back for 8 or $9 million, even though... Probably a lot of people would argue that it's just you better you better do a lot this off season um, or you know an off seasons to come to throw some money around and to make it look like it wasn't just a financial thing and and that it's just in the best interest of the club talent wise. Are the Cubs better with Kyle Schwarber today? Yeah, I mean of course, I mean probably, but it all it all depends on now what they do moving forward. That's going to help us make sense of all this. I think those are exactly all the right questions you have to ask. I mean, when, when and that's what concerns me is is it being a budgetary issue and is it this message from the top from Tom Ricketts being like we had no fans last year, revenues are down, and we got to slash and cut payroll. And I know they're billionaires, like they don't have to do that. But from a business perspective, I I get it, I guess. So that's where I worry because. Listen, I know we talked about it with Joey Christopoulos on Believe in Betting, and they asked uh, he asked us, you know, who do we see kind of being the first cog to be moved for the Cubs? And I remember mentioning that I'd be okay with and expect it to maybe be Kyle Schwarber, that that's a guy that I could see mm-hmm. them moving on from. But for the right price, like this to me doesn't really make sense because – like you said, it's only $8 million to keep him for one extra year and then make that decision or trade him like you might do with Chris Bryant. That seems so much more logical. And I know baseball is really dumb and doesn't make the rules yet, even though like these decisions have to be made. But it's likely, if not this year, next year, for the rest of eternity for baseball, the DH will be universal. And Great point. And with that said... 
that's a perfect slot for him to go to, especially for a guy that that hit 38 homers last year. And so I, I'm just surprised by it because this is a homegrown guy. And I know he didn't maybe turn into what you expected as an all-around player, but having that knowledge in mind to know, yes, we've groomed him to be a left fielder, he's fine. O- overall, average-wise, he's okay, but he has that home run power. I would want that bop in the lineup as a DH every time to, to give a guaranteed 40 homers for the next three to five years. I can't complain about that. So that's where I scratch my head to go, I would have at least given that a shot another year. And if you didn't, don't let him go for, for nothing. The, the, you, you, you have to get something for that. And the, and the Elmora stuff makes sense on the opposite end of he, he really depreciated in value. Ian Happ solidified himself in that role. As much as I liked Elmora more as a player, he didn't progress. And so that's okay. That makes sense. But the Kyle Schwarber one, and I don't even think it's sentimental at this point. It doesn't make logical sense to me from a baseball perspective to give up on a 40-homer guy at 27 when the asking price wasn't $200 million. It was eight. Well, that's something to think about because, and I know it's more or less, like I said, almost coming off as polite when they say, oh, it's not like we'll move on for, for forever. Maybe he'll come back one day. I think that's more or less just being polite and, instead of saying, oh, we just didn't want him. But by saying that he, you know, if it's for a lesser offer, potentially he could come back. That tells you one of two things. Well, it tells you one thing for sure that you think it's just too expensive. The eight or nine million dollars, whatever it is, is too expensive to bring him back, bring it, bring him back. And it's for one or two reasons. One, because you don't think his talent level is worth eight or nine million dollars this year. That's one. So you, you don't think his talent is worth less than 10 million bucks for this season and a potential trading chip or two. He is worth that talent, but you just can't afford it. <laughs> you can't afford it at under $10 million. You can't afford Kyle Schroer for this season, then potentially the you know the future if you want to offer him some kind of extension from there, which obviously not going to do. Um, but but that's that's what's weird. It's like it's just one of those two things, right? They're telling us that they either can't afford his talents or his talents aren't worth that amount of money. And I, I guess it just begs the question on where do you think the Cubs fall there, right? I mean, I guess it's the same thing we're trying to answer, but it's the same way of just a- answer, asking the question. Yeah, because it, it used to be I would think they'd put the talent level first. I mean, this is a guy that was untouchable in an oldest Chapman trade, and so you gave up on Gliber Torres, and now it's the reverse of – are they not thinking that? Are they thinking maybe we we misevaluated and not that they'd redo the trade, but the idea of he's not right. as untouchable as as we thought, so it's not worth the investment. We're not going to get as much back in return for him. So let's just move on. But I, I I don't know who you slot in there. Well, talent wise, would you say he's worth nine million a year yeah. or nine million for this season? Yes, for one year. So to, it's more of a budgeting thing, right? Right. I for mean, for one year to prove it. Cubs, no, but, but for one year to prove it or just to be traded. Yeah, I would right. do that. I don't understand. Well, it's just well, not a big enough number. Now. And talking about it, maybe we do understand. It, it. I mean, the more we discuss it, the more it almost comes off as a budgeting. Right, but you can't. But yes. I but know you, a lot of people out there say, well, no shit, Dan. But I'm just saying, right, I mean, but, I'm trying but, to give the Cubs the benefit of the doubt can, here. Right, but how can you sit here if you're Tom Ricketts and you go, you know, our revenue is down. We can't spend, spend money on players. But the Lakers just spent 190 max on Anthony Davis. Like, Correct. It's this not the 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 coronavirus is hitting everyone hard. Trust me, I know that. But for those owners, they're still billionaires, and they're still gonna if, if it's worth it. 
They're not yeah. going to flinch. It's why Mahomes gets what he gets, and Anthony Davis gets what he gets, and Mookie Betts gets what he gets, and it doesn't matter. It's a business here, Joey. We have a business to run. It is a business, and it's a business move. And I listen, I want 100% get what you're saying about billionaires taking you know big hits this year, like you said. Everyone from the lowest man up taking hits, right? It doesn't matter who you are, what the profession is. Are you going to feel the most sorry for billionaires? Probably not. But at the end of the day, it's just that it's it's that business mentality, right? It could be COVID or not. Whatever the reasons are for losing X amount of dollars this year, expect especially so much expected revenue that just whoop out of there gets you just into that business focused mindset, that business psyche, and it just goes to show you that and while it's there's still a lot of other moves to be made before we keep connecting the dots here, but it goes to show you how the how the Cubs are looking to operate, right? And I don't think big picture here now swinging around to, you know, more of a Cubs fan focus here like we like to do on the show. As a Cubs fan, I don't know how comfortable anyone would feel with, about that, right? Because you'd rather see the Cubs be more aggressive, be more like I said, like the Yankees of the NL, be more Laker like. Right. Look at what the Lakers are doing. Splashing cash. Kansas City Chiefs, the new hottest thing on the NFL market. Splashing cash. Showing that they don't care. You probably wanted the Cubs to be that way. And they keep now. And I know it's still early, especially in this awkward offseason, weird offseason. But if they keep making moves like this, Cup fans are probably going to be more and more uncomfortable in terms of the direction of the team. Right. And, and, and I trust their baseball operations to know what they're doing. Fair. But... But if there's a mandate from a t- up top, then there's a difference. But but I, right. I, I on what constraints? Right, right. Or under what constraints? Right. What constraints, but I, but yeah. I still trust their 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 organizational structure to find talent and spend it wisely. It just it seems like this was such a I don't know not not that big of a deal of a spend. Like I, don't, I, I clearly I don't have eight million dollars to give someone, but like. They do, and that's pretty oh, cheap. Stop it. Flip that mattress up right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it's just it's just just a it, it's a weird one that I, I don't want to sit here and and believe they're wanting to really cut cash c- cut salaries that much. But it right. it might be true. Like I'm I'm not asking this team to be the biggest spender. Like I, I like we we've we've seen that. Oh hell, why not though? Why not? You should. I, I yes, saying, but you're trying to be fair, I guess, but. And I don't think they're going to be, but you should. You should want to be. I know I said it ten times on this show already. The the Yankees of the NL. They yeah, can that's, afford it. They can afford it, but you don't want to spend stupid money just to spend it. Like that's when the Cubs oh. used to do that, or other teams. But but this clearly then shows are not going that route. I, it's one, I don't it's, know. Like, it's, it's one, one or the other. Form. But I don't know. Are, are, are they, like I feel like they're they're very put off by admitting a mistake of one of their own. And the fact that they're giving up on Kyle Schwarber wants to scream in my head that it's talent related, but the way things left and that the organization is now in Jed's hands and it's the five-year plan, not the next-year plan, it could be more of a shedding. I don't mean to keep going back and forth. I just I, I, I can't get a read-in on them, and, and I'm sure we'll see more moves as they go, but it's... It's just a it's it's a big little asterisk and my question mark of where 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 are these guys going? Yeah, I mean, let's just put it simple as that uh, as this. You're the Cubs fan on this show. After hearing the news, were you more? And there's still plenty of off season to go. 
But let's just think about the moment we're in. When you heard the news, were you more optimistic or pessimistic as a Cub fan? Probably pessimistic. Right. <laughs> and not because of sentimental or for anything like kooky like that. It's just a matter of that's a player. Well, yes, is not the next thing to Babe Ruth. He is also a guaranteed 30 to 40 home run hitter in a game that lends itself to that and was fairly affordable. And is a guy you, you, you drafted. Yeah, it's weird, I guess, because you brought it up with the NL. Like, it's almost, you know, you, you could see the NL, be, you know, utilizing the DH and making the DH a, uh, an everyday rule for the rest of the future, right, sooner rather than later. Like, you, you, you sense that time coming up where the NL is just also going to have an established designated hitter, and you were sitting there as a Cub fan saying, well, we already got that figured out for the, you know, for the near future. If it happens sometime soon where they cement it in stone and it's definitely, the NL is definitely going to have it, we already have one of our guys who fits that mold. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, I guess we don't. <laughs> so, so much for that plan. New plan, I guess, if uh, the DH ever permanently uh, goes to the National League. But I don't know, just, just very interesting. I mean, let, let's talk good things now. Let's talk beers. Right. Well, <laughs> let's talk good things in Chicago. Um, actually, we have to talk beers if you don't want to. I guess we should. Right? We're, we're, are we almost obligated to talk we beers at least on a, on a bi-weekly basis until the season is over, until their season is over? Yes. But I All think right, well, it's this... you because their season is over. So I guess we don't have to talk about them. <laughs> All anymore. right. Could go on no. vacation then. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we uh, we just throw fun things at the wall and, and see what sticks. <laughs> no, at least by by obligation for this show. There's a huge division rivalry matchup again coming up. We just came off one against the Packers. Now we have another real NFC black and blue banger here coming up against the Lions, right? We said it during our, our pre-show. Don't have to worry about Matt Patricia, so we win. Game over. That's that's basically what it's going to be. Um, no, I joke. Bad jokes all the time on this show by me. Sorry. Um, I, what do you expect? I, I don't know. Will, will the Bears come out victorious? Maybe. This is actually the most confident <laughs> I've ever been going into a game in over a month. It's the first time they're favored in like weeks. Yeah, slight favorite. <laughs> like a tiny, but favored. Yeah. If you were smart, maybe you put money down on the Lions. Who knows? We'll we'll, we'll talk betting sooner or later on this show. Maybe that's one of the, the fill-ins we'll do. Is we'll we'll do a, a nice little fun betting betting segment or betting show, but. Yeah, that, that's actually why I have my Steelers hoodie on. They, uh, my parlays hit, finally. I, I, I had to wait till Wednesday for my yeah, Steelers about parlays that. to hit. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I could push my money till till Tuesday, all my fantastic uh, football winnings. Oh, okay, I guess it'll be Wednesday. And then, not too dominating of a win yesterday. I thought it would be... No, Mike Tomlin was lot, pissed. Uh, yeah, I thought it would be a lot less of a margin, or a lot more of a margin than that, but it is not the case. But, you know, we, we let's go back here now to uh, Lions and Bears and... There's something interesting about how this is all unfolding. If there's one thing that is going to happen for sure for the Chicago Bears this offseason, there's going to be a big, big decision that involves somebody in a very important role departing and arriving in this city. For example, somebody's going to be fired, right? Whether it's the you know it's the new Ted Phillips wave hate now every like it's like once a year you get that Ted Phillips wave in where it's like how is this guy still employed by the Chicago Bears whether it be Ted Phillips now who everybody wants to see get out of town whether it be Ryan Pace 
whether it be head coach Matt Nagy, whether it be Trubisky, somebody's leaving, right? Like we've already determined that one of those main guys here are leaving, whether it be, you know, front office, head coach, quarterback, one of them are leaving and somebody new is coming in. You're there. Obviously, if one of those guys go, you're going to get a new GM, huge, or maybe you get a new head coach. Doubt it. I, I think Nagy is probably the favorite to stay out of the bunch. Him and Phillips are probably the favorites. And then you have, Pace, Pace, and or Trubisky as the as the old as the overwhelming favorites to leave town. Probably Trubisky would be first out, but I mean, think about it. You're you're probably going to see somebody a big name moved out and then moved in. What's the big name moving in? Who knows? But interesting things to think about because the Lions wanted to get ahead of the curve and let go of their head coach before the season's end, and now you start thinking of some head coach candidates. For them, you think of Salah with the 49ers. So it, it makes me think, you know, you, you link now Robert Salah to the Lions or any other, you know, team that's potentially going to need a head coach next season because he's one of the prime candidates, right? And it makes you think <laughs> if you're a Bears fan, and there's actually, I think, some, you know, on Bears fan pages or whatever it is, you actually see Robert Salah's name floating around as, oh, please bring this guy in. And it's hilarious that. I could see that. I could see how Bears fans would be more comfortable bringing in a defensive-minded head coach now. After offensively, it's just been an utter, absolute disappointment. This has been the most disappointing offensive the last two seasons. If you're if you're just combining two seasons back to back, it is without a doubt been the most disappointing two-season run offensively for the Chicago Bears, considering the expectations, right? We've went through the expectations of, oh, we got this Jay Cutler quarterback guy. Expectations were high. That was a little disastrous. But then we got him a coordinator. We got him a Mike Martz, or we or we got him a, a, a Musa Muhammad. You know, we got him either the coordinator he needed or we got him the weapon we needed. And then once again, there was utter disappointment. Didn't meet the expectations. But these expectations were super high. Drafting a quarterback, number two overall, that you traded up for. You know, met Nagy here as the offensive genius, and it just didn't work. It by Or it's not working. It's not over yet, right? But it has just utterly been a disaster. And it's interesting to think now, after all that, Bears fans are even considering bringing in a defensive-minded head coach. But as you would probably say, Joe, it doesn't matter, right? So who cares? Something's got. Yeah, it doesn't it. matter. Anything, anything can go now. <laughs> we could go coach him. I mean, at, I, at this point, right? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's weird. It's 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 funny. Like if you look at the John Fox, and I don't mean to like talk about the doom and gloom big picture, but does anyone really care about the? I mean, I know you said the Lions were this week. Does anyone really care? Like. It, it, there's much oh, bigger see, questions. We're living the doom and gloom, baby. This, right. This is it, right? So, this is the doom and gloom. All right, then I'm going to... So, so then we can ask these questions. So then, I, I guess, if you look at John Fox to Matt Nagy, if you were to say, okay, going from the John Fox disaster and then going to Matt Nagy and having an 8-8 eight and eight season and whatever they turn out to be this year, whether it's, I don't know, 8-8, eight 7-9, and, eight, seven and nine, or 9-7... Or, or or be even nice eight and eight, five hundred. Go right. ahead, be nice. So if you did those two back to back after uh, John Fox, is a success, and you're building and you're growing. That pl- that one playoff run messed everything up for them, 
And they should be held to that standard because if they're good enough to be 12 and 4, then that means they could have a jump earlier and they need to keep that trajectory. But well, that, that was also the expectation. So, yeah, 100%. So that's what's like if, if they just went from the John Fox bad to the Matt Nagy average, it'd be a completely different conversation. But then right. the, 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 the tides turned and they made the playoffs and they were better than you expected and they and they had to keep building and they've just gone down and and that's where all these big questions come in and I you know we, we could talk about the coaching searches we can talk about Ted Phillips I I, I still I, I don't have a new Madden I will be honest I haven't bought a new Madden since since 16 but the GM for the for the Bears in that game is Ted Phillips so clearly he has more power than than I guess we think but that's the that's the big question here and I think you know you, you, you said it. We saw it in Detroit. There was an ownership change. Not that they got sold, but literally from 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 generation. Like like the Bears have done, where you went from Virginia to now yeah. Michael and now George. And, and with that in Detroit came big change. And I think for the Bears, they're sitting at a point here where if you're George McCaskey, I can't imagine him ever firing Ted Phillips. He's like a John Paxson. But... But there's a reality how that went. Right. But there's a reality of just like John Paxson, it eventually came a time that he had to be moved to another position. And and I truly think for the Bears to ever be successful, they have to do what the Cubs are doing and they have to separate. And you have to have Ted Phillips is an accountant. He's a great businessman, not a football guy. You take him, you make him president of the football guys. What? Has to hire the football guys. Exactly. That's the problem. So, so you have to make him president of football business operations. He could deal with sponsorships, marketing, contracts, you name it. But the talent evaluation from GM scouting, the, you, you have to have a football president. You're going to have to be willing to, to pay for that to, to do it. And then I, I'd say, oh, well, why would they ever do that? They've never done it. And go, well, the stats should tell you they've only made the playoffs five times since Ted Phillips became president. They've only won three playoff games. Like that's un- that's unacceptable and phenomenal and and it's just it's so sad and so you I, I really it's literally a Cubs parallel to me because no one could understand how could the Cubs be so futile for a hundred literally a hundred plus years and not figure it out it took them until they hired Theo Epstein to finally get that complete organizational change and who knows they may not win for another twenty years again but at least they have that that one and they built a new infrastructure to where they'll at least be competitive. The Bears haven't done that for 20, 30 years. And and they're just kind of sticking with the status quo. And it's just, it, it's gotten to a point where the Bears are becoming the lovable losers like the Cubs where it's more, oh. it's, it's this team steeped in tradition and history. But what only are they? Reason we're, only reason we're on national television. Right. All the time. Right. But like I talked to my dad all about it. It's like, he just got his plaque in the mail. I know we're not there this year. But he's a 40-year season ticket holder. And they call him and say, congratulations. He goes, thank you. Why do I only have one Super Bowl win to show for it? And it's like... <laughs> and it's, he hung up the phone. Right, but he it's... slammed it down. But it's true. It's so true. They have won in the entire history of the Super Bowl. That's unacceptable. Two appearances, one win. John, another pissed-off fan, line three. Like, uh, and, and listen... We never give up our tickets. We're going to be fans for life. Everyone, everyone's stuck with this team, but it just would be 
It just would be you nice. Say that. Wait another, wait another five, ten years. You might change your mind then. I don't know. I just, I just, I just wish they would get with the times and understand what's needed of them to compete. And I don't know if that takes Ted Phillips telling his boss, "I can't do this anymore," because that's what it took for the Bulls. That John Paxson had to suck up his ego and go. I am not equipped to operate in this modern NBA. Someone else needs to do it, and that takes a lot of a lot of strength and awareness to do that. So I, that's my. I went on a tangent there, but I just there, there's no way they can get out of their own way if they don't make that big of a change. They don't have to fire him; just put him in what he's good at and let someone yeah. else do the football. Because 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 George McCaskey's gone through Phil Emery and Ryan Pace and John Fox and Mark Tressman and Matt Nagy. You know, it's crazy. No, you're right. And I mean, it's 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 sad to think about because when I think about it, you get into this idea of, man, the, the beers are broken. And they are. They are this season, right? Like the beers are broken. But if you really think about it, it goes back to your exact point. The beers have been broken. And then they've been patched up and they break. Patched up, broken again. Like that's what it is. Like every 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 so few seasons or every few years, it's new head coach new coordinators, new quarterback, like this will fix it broke. All right, here's the super glue that will fix it broke again. Like they're broken now and they just been broken. They've been broken since the (laughs) nineties, right? It's, it's just, that's just the way it is. Look at the quarterback carousel. And that's the, that's the ugly reality is man, they, they, they just can't figure it out. Every time they try to redo the wheel, it just pops again. And then you need to put the other. Then you need to put the spirit tire on. You need to just continue to keep going and going and going. But that's where they're at. And like you said, until you could finally find the engineer and the mechanics to figure it all out, it's going to remain broken. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's and and it's just it, it it gets to a point where it's just unacceptable. You know, I I feel like it's always been like an unhappiness within the fans of how poorly this team's been for the last couple of decades. But I feel like at some point it gets to a boiling point where you're just you're just fed up, you know? You're 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 just not able to allow it to to go on. And I, I think you're at that breaking point of you've you've seen this stop, restart, stop, restart every every couple of years. And you know, I wonder if they didn't have a couple of playoff blips, if they would have even been in where we are today and they would have been forced to make that change long ago but when lovey smith takes you to the super bowl that covered him for five years then you have a one decent still run the best co- still the best head coach though that the chicago bears have had in the past decade plus right it's crazy and and I mean, and yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a reason he got him there G- great great football mind Great defensive-minded head coach, stayed out of the offensive-minded, you know, offensive coordinator's way. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I I see what you're trying to say with that. But, I mean, it, it still just goes back to the point where even though you did have those little blips of, of really good, the best one coming that Super Bowl year, what was it now? We're pushing 15-plus years mm-hmm. on that. So... Oh boy, and that game was a disaster. Oh my gosh, well, don't remind me. It was good for the first fourteen seconds. Minutes. Yeah, that 14. too. <laughs> Definitely good for the first, you know, yeah, fifteen twenty seconds. That's for sure. But no, I, I get what you're saying, hundred percent. But it's just that's what it is. You have to finally figure out a way to. 
find the right person who makes those decisions, the, the, the let's fix it decisions, right? Like you said, it's the football mind, the, the president of the football operations who strictly deals just with you right. know, the, those, that, that type of that, – that part of the team. But until then, yeah, you might – you might just keep seeing this, you know, wash, rinse, repeat method of, all right, disaster, figure it out. We're going to avert this. No, disaster again. Like, put out the put out the fire one more time. And until you finally figure out the right guy to put out the fire, this is where you're going to be. And to me, it, it just starts as, it could be as simple as this, though. Just don't luck into it, but find the guy who's going to be able to find you a stellar quarterback and a line that can protect them. That is the number one recipe for at least being able to compete in the NFL, have a stellar quarterback who knows how to make plays, who's competent, get him a line that can protect him, and doesn't matter what weapons are out there, he'll figure it out, right? And I know this is me going on one of these, you need a quarterback offensive line tangents, but it's true, right? Find me the guy who could find those guys. And then we'll then we'll start right. somewhere. But that we'll but they somewhere. but they keep missing that point. They go okay, hundred percent. We've we've missed on quarterback for a century. So what are we going to do? Zero in on the quarterback. Okay, we got Jay Cutler. Awesome, Pro Bowl quarterback. Great. What did they forget to do? Invest in the offensive line and the wide receivers. So you have a a, a stretch of his entire career here where well, yes, I know he had his ups and downs too. It wasn't everything they, they were sold on. But if he had a competent offensive line, the whole game's changed. It's the same yeah. now of, okay, you got Mr. Bisky. Is he that great? No. But with a better offensive line, could they run this offense a hell of a lot better? And with a real tight end? Yeah. But they keep they keep trying to fix it with one solution. Well, the quarterback's eluded us, so we're going for that. But you you got to get everything else around it. They, they can't luck into that each time. Like you said, I think it's going to work. Like the Bulls, they lucked into Derrick Rose. We don't have to do, put anyone around him. Of course, Rip Hamilton's the perfect two guard for this offense. It's like Ugh. no, like you Why can't you have to go there because ev- because this there? whole damn city is connected by this evil sports mind of terrible organizational orchestration that just makes us miserable. They have a really yeah. good run and then blurp, nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It, it is weird how. You know, being being in the city of Chicago with all these sports teams, how they all do somewhat start interconnecting in terms of decisions or similarities, mostly for the bad <laughs> rather than the good, unfortunately. But learn from the mistakes. Hey, if, if you're in this city and you're running one of these teams, just turn your shoulder to somebody else who you see is struggling and then learn from their mistakes and don't, and don't do the same thing. That's where that's where uh, that's that's maybe one way of doing things. But, you know, before we wrap this up here. We sound extremely confident about the Bears. Are they winning this Sunday? Finally, 12 o'clock and for the duration of the season. Ah, just wake up on Sunday. Watch the Bears at noon. Don't watch the Bears at noon central. Other football games on. Many other things to distract you. It's going to be nice to not finally have to, like you said, when you're when we face the Packers, you didn't have to wait all day till Sunday night, right? You didn't have to, yeah, you listened to Kerry and waited all day and then got your heart broken. But now finally, the noon, noon slate of games come here in, 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 the, in the Midwest. Pick what you want. Pick the Bears if you like, and then move on with your day. Watch watch the better primetime, real primetime games in the afternoon and at night. Um, but Bears finally victorious again, finally open club dub. And as a follow-up, if, and you obviously don't have to answer if you don't have the Bears winning, if they do, club dub open up, get the disco ball rolling. <laughs> I, you know, Mr. Trubisky is, is weirdly good against this team. 
So I'm going to say the Bears are going to win it 21-14. Wow. Don't put that as the headline, though, of this show is Joey thinks uh, uh, Bears got the Mitch factor right? against the Lions. <laughs> Joey's, given, Joey's given the Bears the edge because of the Mitch factor. I get what you're saying, though. I mean, yeah, look at look at his stats against the Lions and – Goes as she does pretty well. What was weren't we at? Uh, was it the Lions they were facing when we witnessed the Eddie Pinero ten miss kick game or whatever that was? Yes. Was that against the Lions or no? <laughs> yes, it was. That was the Lions. Yep. Wow. And they had to, they had to put up a lot of yards. That Dan, game, you want to go to a Bear game? Sure. What are we going to see? Well, you'll never. It's history, just the wrong kind of history. Was it five missed kicks and weren't they all up the upright? It was no. It was Cody Parkey. Oh, it was Parky. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Because it was that, that year. It was 2018. They won. They killed them, but they right. missed four extra points or whatever. Four kicks. I think it was like four or five kicks mm-hmm. total, yeah, combined between between field goals and extra points. Oh, well, that was definitely a, pres- <laughs> a preface for how the uh, last game of the season was going to go. Yikes. Doink. Uh, a double doink. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I. it's it's funny. It, it's terrible now that we get to the point where we're this far into the season or facing the Lions, and at best, I feel most comfortable just calling it a coin flip type of game. And Good, it's a tie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I won't pick the Lions. I'll pick the Bears, but how, how many offensive points did you give the Bears? 27, 24? I gave 21, but there's always wiggle room Three for a special teams defensive touchdown in there. Uh, yeah, Joey's going fantasy mode on us. The S slash mm-hmm. DT will put up six, six points. Maybe. Yeah, uh... Yeah, I could see at least two offensive touchdowns. I would like to think, man, it, it's so funny that I have to like inhale deeply, exhale to think, oh, two touchdowns, please, by the offense, please, one a half, just average a touchdown a half. But yeah, give me like a Bears, give me a funky score, nineteen seventeen victory. I could see it being one of those games, nineteen seventeen. So there you have it. Nothing but good times here in Chicago. You know, one of these days, we talked about it. One of these days, we will have another optimistic show. It's been a while. I feel like when this thing first kicked off, there was nothing but optimism in the air, and now it's been all doom and gloom. But we'll make the best of it and have a show for all you lovely folks on uh, Monday, airing a, a little bit of a recapish show of that Bears Lions game and whatever the heck else decides to happen here in the Chicago sports scene. For Joey Gelman, I'm Dan Collins. Find us both on Twitter, myself at TweetDanCollins, uh, my man Joey at Joey Gelman. The show at Believe in Chicago. Find the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever the heck it is you get your podcast. Until next time, uh, enjoy the weekend and go Bears! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.